0: Sidebar is brought to you by Monterey College of Law, San Luis Obispo College of Law, Kern County College of Law, Empire College of Law located in Santa Rosa, and the Colleges of Law with campuses in Santa Barbara and Ventura.
1: Welcome to Sidebar. Discussions with local, state, and national experts about protecting our most critical individual and civil rights. Co-hosts, Law Deans Jackie Gardina and Mitch Winnick.
2: It's now well-known, tech has just as much of an impact on our health, our mental health, the health of our democratic system as any of those industries. And it's time for a combined effort in which civil society, government, the industry itself and others come together to decide how we use this technology as well as possible for all of us. That's our guest, Jonathan mehta Executive Director of California Common Cause. Jackie,
0: the use and potential abuse of artificial intelligence or AI has become an almost daily conversation as we become more aware of the broad application of this technology. For the moment, I'll skip past my usual comment that I've already seen this movie and it doesn't end well for the human race. But seriously, the application of generative AI tools, which can create text, audio, video, music, software coding, and even art, has been exponentially expanding since the public release of OpenAI's ChatGPT just one year ago in November 2022. In that incredibly short period of time, what has become clear is that the laws and regulatory protections related to the various applications of AI are quickly becoming outdated. Nowhere has this raised greater concerns than in the risk of misinformation, deep fakes, and digitally altered or created election and campaign information. This is a particular concern as we're within 12 months of the 2024 national elections.
3: Mitch, you're absolutely right, and even Congress seems aware of the dangers. In a relatively rare display of bipartisanship, U.S. Senate leaders on both sides of the aisle recently hosted a series of AI public forums, including one on November 8th, that specifically focused on the impact of AI on democracy and elections. On the industry side of things, Google, Meta, and YouTube recently announced that they are crafting disclosure policies for use of AI in political ads. However, one of the primary concerns is whether any of these activities will result in concrete rules and regulations that will be put in place in time to adequately protect the 2024 elections.
0: Jackie, if this isn't complicated enough, in a recent University of Chicago, Harris AP poll, when asked, who shares the responsibility to protect us from the spread of AI misinformation, 83% said technology companies, 82% said social media companies, 80% said it should include the news media, and 80% said it should also include the federal government. In other words, In answer to the question, who does the public believe should share responsibility for protecting us from AI abuses, the answer was everybody. And you and I both know that in reality, when everybody is in charge, nobody is actually held responsible.
3: As we always do when the issues are this complex, we invite expert guests to join us here on Sidebar to help us better understand both the challenges and possible solutions our guests today are Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta Stein.
0: Drew Liebert's the Institute Director of the newly formed California Institute for Technology and Democracy, a project of California Common Cause. Drew has over 25 years of experience as one of the California legislature's most senior staff attorneys. He's worked in both the state Senate and the Assembly, where he has advised state legislators about virtually all areas of the state's civil justice system, including many bill proposals involving the technology innovation sector. Jonathan Mehta-Stein is the executive director of California Common Cause, a nonpartisan group that works to create open, honest, and accountable government that serves the public interest and empowers people to make their voices heard in the political process. Jonathan is a civil rights attorney and longtime advocate for achieving and protecting voting rights, particularly for disenfranchised communities. Jonathan and Drew are the driving force behind the new California Institute for Technology and Democracy, known as CITED, that has been organized, and to read from its mission statement, seeks state-level solutions to the threats that disinformation, AI, deepfakes, and other emerging technologies posed to our democracy and our elections. Jackie, in full disclosure, I serve on the Politics and Public Policy Advisory Council of CITED. Drew and Jonathan, welcome to Sidebar. Thanks for having us.
3: I'm gonna pose the first question to Jonathan. And Jonathan, I'd like to kick off the, this discussion with a question about why the issue of AI as it applies to elections and the democratic process is an important issue for an organization such as Common Cause and particularly for you as a civil rights and voting rights attorney. Are you really concerned that AI can disrupt our free and fair election process?
2: Yes, yes I am. Sad to say that is foremost in my mind almost every day now. I've spent the last decade working on expanding access to the electorate, expanding access to voter registration and voting. California Common Cause is a pro-democracy organization that works on voting access redistricting reform and ending gerrymandering, fighting back on big money in politics, and in a number of other ways, trying to build the healthiest, strongest democracy possible. None of that will ever happen if we can't trust the information that we as voters and members of an informed electorate are receiving. It requires a healthy functioning public square. It requires a healthy functioning democratic discourse. And we are rapidly entering a new political era. And I think right now, some people are realizing this, but most voters haven't. We are entering a new political era in which disinformation is more powerful than anything we've ever seen. Generative AI, which has progressed by leaps and bounds in in, in just the past year, as Mitch alluded to earlier, is going to make it such that non-state actors, conspiracy theorists, Election deniers and just online trolls have unbelievably powerful tools with no barriers to access and no cost associated to create audio, video, and images meant to deceive us. And we may be entering the first election cycle in which voters simply do not know what they can trust and what they can't. Uh, That creates all sorts of problematic consequences that we can talk about today. But suffice to say, it creates the specter of tribalism, of disengagement, of political violence, and a number of other things that would disrupt our democratic processes as we head into a presidential election.
0: Drew, you have almost three decades of experience in the creation of legislation and government regulations. The idea of tracking a rapidly moving target such as AI from a legislative perspective seems almost impossible. You and I have talked previously about whether effective protection from AI abuses is more likely to come from the technology companies themselves or from government regulation. What is your thinking?
1: Thank you so much, Mitch and Jackie. I I love your podcast. Just to let you know, I think you're filling a really critically important role in helping all of us understand America's constitution and our democracy. So thank you for that. Mitch, you put your finger on probably one of the greatest challenges, not only facing our society, but certainly facing policymakers. We all have been watching Congress and its inability to pretty much pass anything right now. Certainly even a budget has to keep kicking that down the road. We certainly know that it's going to be kicking down any efforts at dealing with our social media amplification and AI crisis for quite some time to come. That's where California comes in, in my experience, uh, Mitch, is very much about California actually and other states too, frankly, being able to accomplish things that our federal government sadly can't accomplish right now. It really does appear that we're falling on the states now, especially California as the center of the golden goose of Silicon Valley, to try to address some of these issues. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. We approach our task at Cited with great humility, not in any way overestimating the ability to get things done in any area that big tech is involved. We hope actually to be able to work with the technology companies ultimately to try to get some cooperation in the need to address what are so obviously critical challenges to our democracy and our elections right now. That's our hope. But we also very much intend to take advantage of this very diverse group of experts and academics, scholars, people in the democracy space, and people from technology who have joined forces with us to try to really make some real improvements in, at the state level that can ripple across the country.
3: So that leads to a follow-up for me, because it's a piece that I think is a struggle when we're talking about specifically technology companies. You guys are working at the state level in California, but the technology players involved in AI are not operating in just one state. They aren't even operating in just one country. In trying to provide guidelines, protections, and regulations, where's the proper jurisdiction and what impact can a state-based organization like CITED have? First, let
2: me say just a couple words about what the dangers are that we're we're seeking to stop to give your listeners a sense of the real gravity of the situation because I don't I don't feel like people understand the magnitude of this threat imagine for example a conspiracy theorist that creates a deep fake video of an elections official caught on tape saying that election machines can be hacked and then putting that on, in a fake news story on a fake newspaper website surrounded by other real news to give any visitor the sense that every single piece, including the one lie or one fake story is real. AI tools can help someone make all of what I just described in a matter of minutes without all that much technological sophistication. Or imagine a fake robocall of Joe Biden calling hundreds of thousands of people in Joe Biden's voice telling them that their voting site has changed on the eve of election day. These are all things that are incredibly easy to produce with new AI tools that are totally unregulated. So someone has to do something in order to stop them. Jackie, you noted where is the right entry point for regulation and policymaking. Now, it would be ideal if we could count on Congress to get this work done. They are able to, to move with national reach, but it took our Congress sadly many, many weeks to select a speaker of the house. The idea that they're going to move enormously complex legislation on a timeline that is able to be impactful, I think we'd love to see it. We're just skeptical. So where does that leave us? California has a long history of moving legislation that either becomes a model for other states, much like in the data privacy space, or actually driving nationwide change itself because of the business pressures that it can place on industry with like automobile emissions. So if you drive a car anywhere in America today, it has way better emission standards and more MPGs than a car driven 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And the reason why is because California passed a law saying that emission standards needed to be higher and automobile manufacturers did not want to create one fleet of cars to sell in California and a second fleet of cars to sell in the other 49 states. And so Cars across the country today are better on emissions because of California's action. That's the theory of change for Cited and our efforts together. It is a second best option, but it's the best one we have, we think we have available to us.
0: We are going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta-Stein of the California Institute for Technology and Democracy. We are discussing the threat of election disinformation as a possible disruptor of free and fair elections. San Luis Obispo College of Law offers on-site and hybrid online evening classes that provide you the option to continue working while attending law school. To learn more about their accredited degree programs or to apply for their next term, go to slowlaw.org. That's S-L-O, law.org. Your community, your law school, your future.
1: Welcome to the future of legal intelligence.
0: Trellis, a state trial
1: court research and analytics solution. Trellis offers state trial court records for legal research with analysis on judges, opposing counsel, Verdicts, motions, dockets, and legal issues. Visit our website,
0: trellis.law. Drew, before we get further into the possible details of how to regulate AI, don't we first need to address whether any government regulation of speech, AI or otherwise, immediately runs into First Amendment free speech issues if we're not talking about traditional First Amendment carve outs such as hate speech, slander, incitement, fraud, doesn't the First Amendment take government regulation of AI speech off the table?
1: It's uh, such a great question, Mitch, because many people think that you essentially in the United States of America cannot under the First Amendment regulate any type of speech. And of course, that's not true. We don't want to get too deep into the lawyer here. But I can tell you that it's a perfect timing for us to have this conversation following your recent guest, Jeff Kossa, who made clear that he's a real First Amendment committed person, which I totally, totally appreciate. But I think we also need to be democracy protectors as well as First Amendment protectors. And the courts have made that clear with balancing tests, as you know, the most recent, perhaps most important one, the Brandenburg test. And the Brandenburg test under the First Amendment makes clear that you can't just do everything and say everything. If you are actually inciting violence, imminent harm, Under the First Amendment law of the United States, if you can prove that there's a clear and present danger under that Brandenburg test, we think that you can, in fact, surmount those types of First Amendment tests. I have to tell you that we should not underestimate just the seriousness of what we're facing. Just yesterday, IBM announced that it had suspended all of its advertising on Elon Musk's X after its ads repeatedly appeared next to pro-Nazi content. Is this really 2023? Two days ago, Facebook and Instagram shamelessly announced that they will once again allow political ads that claim the 2020 election was stolen, obviously to maximize profits, as just part of a rollback in election-related content moderation among all of the major social media platforms, which, as you know, have cut their trust and safety staffs by 70%.
2: And I'll just also note that there's ways to regulate in this area that label different kinds of speech without limiting it or banning it. For example, you could pass a law saying that all political advertising or politically relevant content that is posted on a social media page needs to be identified as having been AI altered or AI created if that was in fact the case. And so a small slug or tag underneath the post would say, this video was generated by AI. That doesn't stop the speech of the poster, doesn't limit or ban or shadow ban the speech of the poster. It gives more information to the reader. So they're better able to judge the content they're seeing without entering into any 1st Amendment implications.
3: I think you raise a good point where Google and Meta have both voluntarily said, hey, we're going to put this disclosure on political ads or other types of things. But I think it was Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer who launched the Senate AI Insight Form Series, questioning whether this limited self-imposed guardrails by the major tech companies go far enough. They don't account for the hundreds, if not thousands, of other tech companies that are not bound by these policies. Do you believe that only the government can provide the necessary protections and enforcement?
1: I'd love to answer that question, Jackie, because I actually think that too often when we have these conversations, we're forgetting about actually the key player. And the key player in this whole, what I hope is not going to be a tragedy ultimately for American democracy, are the technology companies themselves. The technology companies don't have these First Amendment impediments that Mitch uh, astutely raised. The companies themselves, if they have a commitment to the very democracy that was the soil for which they created these billions of dollars of opportunity for themselves and others, those companies could tomorrow make huge changes themselves in the way they operate their businesses in order to much better protect our democracy. So I would say, first of all, Our number one hope has to be that the major technology companies will step up to the plate and that maybe this is just the first step they're taking in terms of political ad control and this type of thing, but that they'll recognize that you can't have the same type of society that we had years ago where people are throwing around such massive hate in millions and millions of posts and not have that continue to disable our society.
3: I think it was Justice Sotomayor in a recent argument at the Supreme Court who raised the specter of regulation regarding algorithms that potentially promote particular types of speech in order to to bring in money. I'm still not sure, and help me with this, because if you listen to the Jeff Kassif interview, I am really struggling with this idea of disinformation. And as you heard, he's he's like, well, once we give the government power to decide what speech is okay and can be regulated and what isn't, what can be penalized and what isn't, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And you may not like it, the next person that comes forward to take leadership in the government. How do we get around that?
2: I don't think anyone is contemplating solutions that create some sort of government body that sits on an assembly line, looks at every Instagram post or Twitter post and says, this is fake, this is real, this is disinformation, or this is a fake news. That's not a solution that, that works. And I think that First Amendment advocates who create straw men of that kind to discourage good, useful, First Amendment compliant regulation. The solutions that we're looking at are things that allow for users to get more information, about the social media content and the news content that they're receiving. So labeling deepfakes as deepfakes, labeling anonymous trolls as anonymous trolls, making visible to the public how algorithms work. So we understand why and how certain news content is being fed to us by social media companies or creating regulatory regimes in which after speech has been published, you can then take it to court under well-established, existing, proven legal doctrines to test whether it fails a product liability test or it's slanderous or whatever the case may be. These are all regulatory approaches that are established in other areas of law. Currently in the money and politics area, if you publish an independent expenditure in California, all... Donors over $50,000 have to be disclosed on the independent expenditure ad itself. So when you get a mailer advocating for or against the candidate, you're able to see that Lyft, Uber, and Grubhub paid for the advertisement. That sort of disclosure, giving viewers more information about the the speech content they're consuming, well-established in the money and politics space and can be used in this space. I think that there are lots of different ways, borrowing from other areas of law, we can attempt to regulate here while being mindful of the First Amendment. I think that's very helpful, Jonathan, because it seems
0: so overwhelming as to where to start. And there are also some concern that when you go to the issue of, well, someone could bring a lawsuit, someone could take this to the courts. Well, if we're talking about protecting election that's fewer than 12 months away, uh, not one of those cases would even get to the court in time to protect us in this election cycle. Drilling down to perhaps too practical of a matter, but let me just frame this. It seems that the Federal Election Commission and the California Fair Political Practices Commissions are already existing nonpartisan government agencies that regulate and enforce campaign finance rules, mandatory filing requirements that you were just mentioning, disclosure requirements, campaign contribution restrictions and guidelines. Should we look to these existing campaign and election oversight organizations when we're looking for a starting place to regulate AI election communications?
2: The FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, is staffed by six commissioners, three appointed by Democrats, three appointed by Republicans. Now you might be thinking to yourself, why would a government watchdog, a political watchdog entity, have exactly the same number of Democrats and Republicans? It certainly would give rise to the possibility of gridlocks, tie votes, and stalemates, and you'd be exactly correct. And so the FEC often doesn't do anything because it splits 3-3 on votes. It recently was asked by advocates— to take action on deepfakes and begin regulating political deepfakes as part of its broader responsibilities as a political watchdog over federal elections. And it stalemated on a 3-3 vote and thus was unable to take any action. To answer half your question, at least, I, I don't think we can look to the FEC as a viable, assertive actor in this space.
0: We are going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta Stein of the California Institute for Technology and Democracy. We are discussing the threat of election disinformation as a possible disruptor of free and fair elections.
3: The Master of Arts in Law degree from the Colleges of Law was designed to empower working professionals to become innovative problem solvers in careers that intersect with the law. The legal field is more than what happens in a courtroom after all. The Colleges of Law. Learn more at collegesoflaw.edu. Kaplan helps thousands of law students become lawyers every year. Prepare to pass your bar exam with personalized prep that fits how you learn best. Choose from a traditional two-month course, a flexible three-month course, or semester-long prep, and get your personalized study plan, which includes thousands of realistic questions and unlimited essay grading. No one does bar review like Kaplan. Find the bar review that fits you best so you can score your best. Visit kaptest.com slash bar. That's kaptest.com slash bar.
0: Welcome back. We're talking with Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta Stein of the California Institute for Technology and Democracy. We are talking about the impact of regulating artificial intelligence and programs such as chat GPT and the impact that that may have on free speech as it relates to free and fair elections.
3: I want to stay on this idea of tech companies taking some responsibility And Jonathan, one of our previous guests, Professor Orly Lobel, who is a law technology expert, and she actually wrote a book that is a little bit different from the perspective you're taking, which is the idea that AI can actually lead to more equality and equity in our our country. But she did warn us that there's no chance that a bureaucratic system of government can keep up with the speed and development of AI or even understand the technology enough to create effective regulations. Your advisory and policy groups incited include representatives from industry, finance, government, legal technology, and public policy. And it sounds like you believe that only this type of broadly represented group can develop effective guardrails on this technology. Is that
2: accurate? It is accurate. And let me just say, we've ex- expressed a lot of nervousness and skepticism about AI and its impact on democracy. But We recognize that there are lots of positive impacts it will have in our world, and even on our elections. It may make us better able to educate voters at scale. It may make it easier for elections officials to administer elections. There was shortly after Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov in a chess contest, and this you have to be probably over 35 in order to know what I'm talking about right now. There was a set of chess contests created in which people could bring computers to aid them to see basically what combination of human and computers was most effective at winning chess tournaments. And the winners weren't chess grandmasters and they weren't deep blue supercomputers. They were regular folks who were sort of chess amateurs playing with a couple laptops to aid them. It was a combination of technology and human ingenuity and strategy and big picture thinking. And so I do think that there is a way forward with this technology that does lead to greater equality and greater equity, but it's not going to happen on its own. And it's certainly not going to happen if the tech industry gets to determine what these tools look like. For many, many years, the tech industry's orientation has been, if we can create it, let's do it. Not if we can create it, let's ask if we should or why we would. It's innovation for innovation's sake. And uh, the, the reality is that Very few other industries operate in this unfettered sort of way. Automobile manufacturers are subject to regulations and testing and inspection. Airlines are subject to regulation and testing and inspection. Pharmaceuticals are subject to regulation and testing and inspection. It's now well known. Tech has just as much of an impact on our health, our mental health, the health of our democratic systems and so forth as any of those. And it's time for a combined effort in which civil society, government, the industry itself and others come together to decide how we use this technology as well as possible for all of us. And letting one slice of that pie, that is to say tech industry itself, drive the entire conversation is no longer viable. Drew, we tend to think of AI as high-tech wizardry. Uh, Jonathan
0: talked to us about how You can create videos and audio and things that are not actually real. However, the Michigan Supreme Court recently heard arguments on a case that charged two defendants with election fraud felonies for orchestrating as many as 100,000 robocalls using false claims and intimidation that was directly aimed at suppressing the vote of predominantly black voters in Detroit— in 2020. In the case, it was alleged that they used automated robocalling to falsely warn individuals that if they voted by mail, their personal information would be used by police to track down outstanding warrants and by credit card companies to collect outstanding debts. It is not hard to envision AI technology being used to expand this type of voter suppression efforts and election disruption. Potentially in the millions, not just thousands. Will this type of election disruption be part of CITED's efforts and concerns?
1: No question about that, Mitch. We certainly are not simply focusing on social media, although we all know that social media platforms still are by far the most effective and dramatic ways to spread massive information and disinformation. But we're well aware that in the election process, Often the most effective thing that can be done is suppression efforts rather than encouragement to vote. Some of us will remember there was this scandal surrounding Facebook regarding Cambridge Analytica, which was all about the goal of suppressing individual communities from voting in order to affect the outcomes. We know now in the United States that so many of our elections are decided literally by very few votes. We're all watching that there are some key states in this country under the electoral college process that will determine who becomes our next president. So we need to have a very multifaceted approach at cited in order to think about not just the social media amplification process that's now juiced up by AI machines, but also these other techniques that are going to be out there with the use of artificial intelligence. I'll just give you one example. I recently attended a a panel where various representatives for vulnerable communities were expressing great concern that their members had started to get calls and mail that was so clearly targeted to their very specific issues, whether it was about affirmative action or whether it was about uh, immigration or any particular issue. The, the gelling between big data's now ability to have so much about each one of us as individuals and now the ability to target us as individuals to kind of push those particular buttons that exist uh, amongst ourselves can have very profound effects. We do believe that this upcoming election will truly be the first kind of national AI election. And where it will lead, we don't know, but we certainly are committed as an organization to trying to focus in a multifaceted way, as much as we can with the technology companies, by the way, to try to make a difference and suppress as much of this disinformation
0: that will be designed to to confuse and and suppress voting. We are going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta-Stein of the California Institute for Technology and Democracy. We are discussing the threat of election disinformation as a possible disruptor of free and fair elections. Jackie and I would like to take a quick minute to recommend a great podcast. An Honorable Profession profiles the rising stars in American politics. From mayors to attorney generals, An Honorable Profession gives listeners a view from the front lines of our democracy. Check out An Honorable Profession wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. We're talking with Drew Liebert and Jonathan Mehta-Stein of the California Institute for Technology and Democracy, We are talking about the impact of regulating artificial intelligence and programs such as chat GPT and the impact that that may have on free speech as it relates to free and fair elections.
3: We're at the beginning stage of trying to figure out how to regulate this and even questions about how much it can be regulated. So one of the things that we like to do in the podcast is actually give people action steps that they can take to be better informed or to be engaged, whatever the case it may be. In this case, until we get regulations, how can voters recognize deceptive ads or otherwise counter the dangers associated with deceptive ads?
2: There's a number of steps you can take. If you want to stay informed, you can visit cited.tech, which is the website for our new initiative. And we have a media section that captures up-to-the-day news, it also will give you insights into what we're up to, more information about our policy agenda, and so forth. Again, that's cited.tech. But if you are somebody who is accustomed to carefree scrolling, I don't know how many people are doing carefree scrolling in this moment in the world and in the nation, but if you're accustomed to an unquestioning kind of scrolling, time is up. You have to be a smarter, more skeptical consumer of social media going forward. If you see a video that makes someone's point too perfectly, question whether you think it's real or not. If you see an image that is too much of a gotcha or too good to be true, question why that is. Ask for the source of things. Try to work backwards to understand where a video or audio or an image came from. Google whether something is a fraud or a fake. sometimes people, if things have gone viral, there's other posts explaining how it was a fake or how it was made. And you can find that information relatively easily. The biggest piece of advice I can give all of us is don't fall into the trap of believing audio, video, images, and other digital content that confirms your biases, that tells you something about the world you want to believe. Being skeptical of the images, audio, and video of things that challenge your biases and challenge your political views. I think that's the most dangerous outcome here is that people say, I don't know what I can trust. And so they default into a pattern of trusting what agrees with them and distrusting or dismissing what disagrees with them. We simply cannot let that come to govern our political conversation.
1: I'd like to add to that as well, Jonathan. I think we have to take individual responsibility here as well that is one of your great powers. I tell all of my colleagues and friends, much as we might love that instant communication and source of information from a social media platform, if you determine that it's really engaged in absolutely unacceptable conduct, you have the power to vote with your own attitudes and your perspectives. So I think that individual responsibility could have very profound impacts.
0: That's been great. Thank you, both of you, for this conversation. I hope it's given folks something to think about, and you've also given them something to do. Uh, Before I let you go, CITED has been organized in order to take action here in California. What do you think we can reasonably expect to happen here in California? Is there a reasonable expectation that we might be able to get something legislatively or through administrative regulations here in California before the 2024 elections?
2: It is certainly our ambition that we will be able to pass a bill and maybe multiple bills to tackle these topics before the 2024 elections. But for those of your listeners who don't know the fine details of how the California legislative process works, which is probably every reasonable person listening today, the legislative process is designed to pass bills by September. Usually they're, they become effective January 1st of the following year. It would be very, very hard. Uh, It's not impossible, but it'd be very, very hard to pass legislation that would be effective and change our democratic discourse or how it's governed before the November elections. The way in which we're going to make an impact in 2024 is through a combination of other factors. We need to be continually raising awareness around these issues and public outcry around these issues while advancing strong, assertive, effective legislation and regulatory approaches. And then work with the social media platforms who see that public outcry who see public patience for disinformation running rampant as running thin, see meaningful reforms coming their way in the state legislature here, maybe the state legislature elsewhere, maybe in Congress, and realize that it's time to act, that the era of unfettered, consequence-free tech is over, and that they have to be part of the solution because the solutions are coming for them whether they want them or not.
1: And here's the great news, Mitch, which is a great way to end, I know, is on good news. And that is that a recent survey done by the independent UC Berkeley IGS group, they polled Californians, all races of all backgrounds of politics, et cetera. And we had this remarkable response in these poll numbers, which show that 75 to 80 percent of Californians uniform, both in terms of politics, et cetera, all feel that the platforms themselves need to stand up and take responsibility for this. And they also think that the California legislature should step up and act. And I think that's going to be a powerful motivator in this coming year for the California legislature. And so we're hopeful that CITED and other groups that are working hard to do this are actually going to make a difference.
0: Drew, Jonathan, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, your wisdom, and the efforts on behalf of free and fair elections. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.
3: Mitch, thank you so much for inviting Drew and Jonathan onto the show. I didn't realize how deeply you were involved in this particular issue. So thank you also for the service that you're giving to CITED as being part of their advisory group. This is a struggle that I'm having. You heard it when we talked to Jeff Kossif about disinformation and the First Amendment. I am incredibly worried about social media disinformation, and now generative AI being able to create incredibly real deep fakes. And I appreciate the work that CITED is doing, but I know it's going to be a long process, and we have 2024 coming up really now because we're in the midst of a primary campaign. The hope that technology companies will take responsibility seems unrealistic to me. And maybe it's just because I have soured on their willingness to kind of step up and be civil social actors, that they will say the democracy is more important than the profit. They haven't done that. They have in many ways been ambivalent about taking a responsible role as a citizen in our democracy. With your work on CITED, are you more hopeful than I am that tech companies will self-regulate until we can establish some kind of regulatory
0: framework? It's a great question, Jackie. I think I would have to say At this point in time, and honestly, like anything related to generative AI, it's almost a week-by-week position because we see new things that are available and new uses and abuses that are coming forward. Google, Meta, Facebook, Instagram have all recently announced new corporate policies that directly go to disclosure requirements if political advertising contains synthetic content that's been digitally altered or created by AI. I think that's a huge step. And I think that gives a positive spin on the fact that they understand that both the public, their advertisers, and the government are interested in controlling the potential abuse of this process for elections. Whether that's far enough and how do we get to the small companies and whether we get as far as to the individuals who are not accountable, I don't know. But I think, as Drew and Jonathan both said, it's a long-term process, and it's only been a year since ChatGPT has been out. And we already have the major technology companies at the table willing to discuss self-imposing new policies, Jackie, what I can say is that I'm optimistic that this is the right start.
3: Once again, I want to thank everyone who joined us today on Sidebar. And as always, Mitch and I would love to know what's on your mind. You can reach us at SidebarMedia.org.
0: Sidebar would not be possible without our producer, David Eakin, who also composes and performs all of the Sidebar music. Thank you also to Gogo Zoger, who manages Sidebar's marketing and social media.
3: Colleges of Law and Monterey College of Law are part of a larger organization called California Accredited Law Schools. All of our schools are dedicated to providing access and opportunity to a legal education to marginalized communities.
0: For more information about the California Accredited Law Schools, go to calawschools.org. That's calawschools.org.